You're listening to the Loveland Strong Podcast, sharing stories of struggle, endurance, and hope for the people of the Sweetheart City. Welcome back to the Loveland Strong Podcast, friends. My name is Bryson Lilly, and if you're stumbling across this audio effort for the first time, I'll urge you to check out our introduction episode because it'll explain all that we're doing in this effort. For those of you who've come here eager to hear an interview with the leader of the city of Loveland, got a great one on tap for you today. I spent some time chatting with Mayor Jackie Marsh, our esteemed head of the local government. It was a great conversation, got to know her as a person and hear what this pandemic has been like for our local government. She surprised me, really. Whenever I think of politicians or elected officials, I tend to picture suave technocrats who love following Robert's Rules of Order. I know that sounds judgmental, but it's what a couple of my friends did after college. They went into politics and I'm pretty sure they sleep with both Robert's Rules of Order and some political science textbooks under their pillow every night. Anyway, Mayor Marsh didn't strike me that way. In fact, she struck me as an artisan seeking to make the city of Loveland like one of the many jewelry pieces she designs. Artistic qualities are not something I thought would translate well to local government, but Mayor Marsh proved me wrong. She's definitely not your normal politician, but she's able to channel all her life experiences and creativity into a unique form of leadership. It just goes to illustrate a point I think she would very much agree with, that anybody who is passionate about our city can get into a leadership position and effectively guide our community. There is a profound need for people to do that right now. That's where Mayor Jackie sees a lot of hope in new people coming forward in this time of need to take our community to new levels. So I hope you hear that too in this conversation. To give you a little bit of a background on Mayor Jackie, if you haven't met her before, she's a recent transplant to the city of Loveland. She came here in November of 2017. To that point, she'd wore many different hats, as her biography online says. She was an early childhood teacher, a bookkeeper, a trade show marketing manager, a purchasing agent for a software company. And as of late, she ran a business down on 4th Street, Rabesque Designs, which she'll speak about a little bit in conjunction with her fascination with jewelry. So let's get into it. Let's hear from Mayor Jackie Marsh and learn about how she sees hope. This interview was recorded on September the 23rd, 2020, via Zoom. Mayor Marsh, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. It's a privilege. Tell us a little bit about yourself first. I know people probably know your name, but they don't really know you as a person. So 
Tell us a little bit about your history here in Loveland, uh, why you love this town, what keeps you here. Just kind of give us a, a quick biography of yourself. All right. I um, moved here in 2012 when my only son and his wife and their child, my granddaughter, uh, they moved to Fort Collins. So I followed them here. Um, I was a jewelry designer showing my jewelry designs in, in art galleries and boutiques across the country. Um, so my thought was to open up my own gallery. Um, I looked first at some other cities and didn't take long to realize that Loveland is an art community. Uh, found an old building on 4th Street for sale that had living quarters up above it put in an offer that got accepted and, and went through the process of buying a building that dates back to about 1870-something. Um, my gallery was called Robust Designs. I've just recently sold the building to a couple that are going to open up a general store. Um, it was just too much to try to keep up with being mayor, um, mom, and grandma, and have a full-time brick-and-mortar uh, business as well. What, what kind of jewelry did you specialize in? I know there's several different styles. My, my great aunt was very good with Southwestern jewelry. She helped design that sort of stuff. I'm curious what kind of jewelry you designed for a career. Well, it, it kind of, I got into doing jewelry um, by doing a favor for a friend who um, needed to sell a, an interesting bead collection back in about 2002, 2003. And so her collection was um, primarily African components, Tibetan hmm. components, and some Afghanistan components. So I ended up, you know, I like research, um, purchased a number of books on beads, and it turned out that the area that I lived in had a bead museum. So I spent a lot of hours at the bead museum learning all about African beads. Uh, and African trade beads. So I would say, you know, the heart of my jewelry is ethnic, um, cultural pieces. Um, I'd say many of them are museum quality. And then I do some uh, modern things, you know, with gemstones and things that, you know. But I, I love creating. Um, having scaled back on the brick and mortar business, I'm hoping to have some, some additional time to create some new things. <laughs> I find it interesting out of all the vast array of um, jewelry, uh, I mean, working with precious metals and gems that you, you kind of zero in on beads. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that's something my household knows a lot about. We have a, <laughs> our resident four-year-old is running around here somewhere and she loves pony beads. And I'm sure I don't see beads in the same way you do. So what is so beautiful and fascinating about beads to you? Um, the history of them and what they represent. Um, a lot of the history of beads has been compiled by going through grave sites and, and looking at what people were buried with. You know, if you had a person that, you know, was affluent or was a powerful person, um, a shaman, uh, African king, mm. what was that person buried with? And, and so it's kind of like working backwards to find out what, what a king was allowed to wear and what that represented versus a possibly somebody who hunted or somebody 
you know, that did something else in the village. Um, there would be, in, in cultural, well, several cultures, women were not al- allowed to own jewelry. It was considered their husband's possession. Some cultures, the only thing, the only property a woman could own was jewelry. And then different jewelry would symbolize um, your place in the community, uh, your wealth. Um, Some would say when you were um, at the age of puberty. Some would say when you were engaged, like we have an engagement ring, but other cultures had different signs. A lot of jewelry was protection. If you think back towards times when populations didn't understand a volcano erupting or a hurricane or a flood wiping out, um, there were beliefs like the evil eye. So some of my oldest beads are what are called Roman eye beads, and they literally uh, predate Christ, and they were worn by Romans uh, for protection. Um, you, there's, uh, so it's, it's the history that I find fascinating, and then putting them together into a piece that a modern person would wear is like a puzzle. Met with a history major in undergrad, so I find what you just said absolutely fascinating. I have honestly never thought about beads in that light before, but uh, from what I'm hearing from you, you're you're fascinated because it connected people together. Yeah, jewel, you know, beads and and um, you know were also portable wealth. Mm. So imagine a Tibetan which might have a few uh, yak that they need to move constantly towards where the yak could graze. They're on the move. You don't have a bank that you put your money in. You have a necklace that would have coral, and then you might have some Tibetan turquoise. They get to a village, and they might need grain, or they might need a night's lodging. So they'll take off their piece of coral and trade. Um, And then at a later date, they'll try to replace that. it's fascinating. It really is. (laughs) Absolutely. I wish we could talk this whole podcast about beads, but (laughs) I don't think we'd, we get very far, but I would certainly enjoy it. Yeah, no, but that, you know, so yeah, that's my fascination with with jewelry. Yeah. So you're, you're describing this, this thing that brings people together, it creates community, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it emphasizes protection, it's commerce, it's, it's so many things. Now, now I can sort of hear why you might be drawn into the position of local government, because some of those elements are definitely found in local government. But still, it, it's kind of interesting to me that a creative type like you would be uh, interested in taking on the bureaucracy that is the city of Loveland. So how, how did you end up getting involved in that? Um, it was, it was interesting. You know, I have a brick, you know, I've had, I've had a brick and mortar store on fourth street. I opened in 2013, you know, and life was going along and, you know, became aware that there were some plan changes in downtown, some of us business owners were invited to a meeting and started to hear about some significant changes. I was caught by surprise by it. And I felt like, well, if I'm just hearing about this and I happen to go to that meeting, other people were probably also not aware of it. 
And so I, you know, I kind of, you know, asked the question, how, how could this be this far along? And we're just hearing about it. And a, a, a very, you know, interesting woman said, well, Jackie, if you went to city council meetings, you'd know. So I, I fault her with my eventually becoming the mayor. <laughs> so I did start going to city council meetings. Um, and, and, you know, after doing that for a while, I realized I wanted to have a vote. I wanted to have a say. I think what I learned in that is that the public needs to be involved. The public needs to pay attention and be aware and to voice its opinion. Because when we do uh, voice our opinions, it can affect change. And in this case, it was very positive change. Mm -hmm. So a very positive outcome. Speaking on the vantage point of the, the public here, it's, it, it's hard to stay attuned to so many sources of information going on around you. I mean, there's what's going on in your job, your household, if you have kids in school. And sometimes what's going on at the city level is far down on the list. And so. Well, you're, you're, you know, I, I think people need to come to their own opinion in their own, um, you know, based on their life history, based on their circumstances, they should form their own opinion, but they can't do that if they don't have the information. Hmm. So how do we get that information out? And unfortunately you're kind of limited to, um, you know, Facebook, which can be dominated by highly opinionated people and, you know, newspapers that don't have enough um, money or space to tell the full story. You don't, you know, I can look at uh, the recap in the paper of a meeting that we would have at city council and feel like they missed a major point that myself or another counselor were trying to bring across. And so, you know, I would encourage people to watch the city council meetings um, and you can watch them in archive format. Now, the only problem with that is we've already voted. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I you can go on to our website and you can read the agenda. It's usually available the Friday before our Tuesday meetings. And if there's anything of particular interest to you, um, you can watch it live, you know, on channel 16, or you can, you know, stream it on your PC and, you know, email your council members, email your mayor. Um, but we need those voices. We need those, um, the, the, and we need those eyes and how they see the world and how the city works or doesn't work for them. So that when we're making decisions of where to spend the money and what things to focus on, those viewpoints are heard. Government is government no matter what era it is. I mean, there's always difficulties working with people of opposition views and getting them to coalesce and move forward on things. How has that been different in the time of COVID since March when this all landed on us? You know, I, I, it impedes, I think, public involvement and, and public comment. Um, you know, when you have Zoom making it more difficult and feeling disconnected during those public meetings, it, it becomes even more difficult to have those really, you know, gut-wrenching discussions. And I think 
we as a society, all the things that we're dealing with right now, COVID, um, racial unrest, it's a time that we need to have those difficult discussions. Mm-hmm. We, we need to dig in and figure out what the solutions are moving forward that are going to be best for our city and best for our people. And, and to have meetings be difficult technologically, physically, is not helping us have those difficult discussions that we need to be having. Government's a naturally kind of isolated place to be. Uh, leadership always is when you're up in front of everybody. And when you can't communicate with the public and get their input, it, it makes your job that much more difficult. That's really got to be draining on the city governors and the city government. Well, you, you know, you get a phone-in public comment and you don't get to see the person's face. You don't get to see their body language. It, it's a separation there. You know, I, I, think, I think we as human beings um, like that connection that you have when you're in person, that you really understand because communication is more than just the words. It's more than just the voice. You know, we don't get that with the public comment when it's phoned in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think you miss part of the understanding behind somebody's words. You miss the passion. You miss the concern that they may be trying to share or the frustration um, that they might be feeling with something that's not working for them. You just miss the presence of having that other person in the room. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, you do. Where is hope for you? Where do you see uh, it at work? And where can the people of Loveland, Colorado join in to bring that hope into reality? Um, you know, everywhere around me, I see what, what you use the word hope. But I see progress everywhere around me. I, you know, I think Loveland is, richness is the, you know, our community, our people. But if you look at how much progress we make on a daily basis that that may go unnoticed, you know, Platte River Power is looking towards, you know, green energy. Um, You know, our parks and rec and our open lands are constantly, um, you know, um, preserving space that will be enjoyed, you know, generations to come. Um, there are so many opportunities for people to get in, involved um, on boards and on commissions, volunteer our community kitchen, um, a new, relatively new agency, a little help. Um, so many places where people in our community, um, Kids Pack, you know, reach out and take steps to make us better. Um, so I see hope everywhere. Your hope is the fact that despite every barrier and obstacle that has appeared, somehow the city of Loveland is still going and still doing wonderful things. And there are many opportunities for people to join in that. Yes, there are. And run for office. Run for office. (laughs) Well, Mayor Marsh, thank you so much for speaking with me today. And I greatly appreciate you sharing where you see hope. All right. Well, I appreciate you allowing me to be part of your podcast. It's a new one on me. (laughs) Amen to that. 
I don't know about you, but I got a lot from that conversation. And you better believe I did a double take at my daughter's pony bee collection when I was in her room a little while ago. I'd be curious to hear any thoughts you might have. In any of these interviews, please feel free to share your input. You can email me at lovelandstrong at gmail.com. Lovelandstrong is all one word, all lowercase. Please do. Love to hear any questions or further comments you might have. Otherwise, I wonder what you got from that. For me, it was a reminder that in the hard times and places like we're facing with COVID, it's often the unexpected people who step up to lead. Anyone can be called to do it. The business owner across the street, the family next door, any one of them can help provide the leader that gets a city through a hard time or provides a voice that brings people together to work on a common problem. That was Mayor Jackie's hope, and I can't help but wonder how many other people might join in that. How many of those of you who are listening have wondered, huh, what if I got into local government? What if I volunteered with the city of Loveland? What would happen if I contributed my voice to everything that's going on? You may not think so, but your experiences, your gifts, all the things that make you, you, might be exactly the combination that helps get us through. That's Mayor Jackie's hope right there, that enough people feel called to do that, enough people step into government to help get us through this tough time. So maybe you could join in in making that hope possible. Or maybe you found hope just knowing how accessible your leaders are, how Mayor Jackie and others on the city council are ready and willing to listen to you, how they want to share what they're doing with you. There's great hope knowing that the mechanisms are there and working, trying to make Loveland better. All you need to do is orient yourself to them. So I hope that's the lasting lesson you get from this conversation. Hope is there if you look for it. Hope is ready for people who stand up and pursue it. There is always a hopeful path no matter where you start. Although when you start, oftentimes you have to start small. It's a good lesson for us all. I hope to share some of your thoughts in future episodes and Got another great one coming out here soon. I got to sit down and talk with Chief Tyser of the Loveland Police Department. He had some interesting thoughts about the state of the law enforcement world after the death of George Floyd with all the racial unrest around us. So I hope you'll be eager to listen to that. Otherwise, I'll end this podcast, this episode, with an urging that I'm going to try to end all these episodes with. That being, if you find it hard to find hope right now, keep looking for it. Mr. Rogers, uh, Fred Rogers, the famous children's TV host, had a saying that in times of trouble, you should look for the helpers, the people who are standing up to do something about the problem. I'm going to amend his saying very slightly. In times of darkness and hardship, Look for the hopers, the people who see the possibilities, the ones who are plotting ways to improve, even in the hardest of times. Look for the hopers, friends. They could be your local mayor. 
They could be clergy people like me. It could be a family member, a friend, or one of your neighbors, a teacher or a principal. Friends, anywhere you find somebody that says life can get better, here's how, let's do this together, that's a source of hope. So draw near to them. Because when we do, when we come together around the people trying to improve the situation for all, that's how we'll all get through. Mayor Marsh is such a person. People like her are around you. You could be such a person yourself. Look for the hopers, City of Loveland, Colorado. Look for the hopers, and we will get through. Thank you so much for being with me today, friends, and I look forward to our next conversation with Chief Tyser. Until then, take care, hang in there, and keep the hope. The Loveland Strong Podcast is done in association with Trinity United Methodist Church of Loveland, Colorado. For any questions or feedback, please email us at lovelandstrong at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being with us. See you next time.